Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. God is helping us. God is with us. And we thank God for it. Amen. Today's subject is the rabbi rejoices. The rabbi rejoices. Reading to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 10. Begin reading at verse number 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know that the kingdom of God has come near unto you. Down to verse number 17. Verse number 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that very hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed to them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by the Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father and who the Father is except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are your eyes which have seen the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. Can you say amen to the word of the Lord? Amen. Amen. The rabbi rejoices. The rabbi rejoices. In the days of Jesus, there were many rabbis. Jesus was not the first rabbi to establish the rabbinical order, but they'd been around for hundreds of years. When you say rabbi, or when you read it in your Bible, that is a Hebrew word, and it means a master, or a teacher, or a professor. That's what that word means when you speak it. And in that time, if a rabbi saw a young guy And he wanted him to be a part of his school, wanted him to be a part of his group. And what he would do, he would call out to him and he would say, follow me. 
And when a rabbi would do that, it was not just an invitation for a student to come and hang out with him or, you know, let's just be buddies, let's just be pals. But oh no, when the rabbi said, follow me, what he was saying was to him is, I think you have what it takes to become like me. I think you have what it takes to someday do as I do. I think you have what it takes that after I'm gone, you can take up my mantle and you can become what I do. And the same thing happens to this day with the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever wonder why Peter wanted to get out on the boat and walk on the water? I seriously doubt he wanted to do it to look cool. After all, it's a raging storm. Who wants to get out on the water and something like that? I simply doubt it was simply to look at fish or to simply just do something cool. But I think and I'm convinced that Peter wanted to get out and walk on the wet water. It is because he was wanting to do what his rabbi was doing. He was wanting to get a taste and a glimpse and experience the supernatural like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Lord, amen, commissioned his apostles. It was for them to do as he did. And Jesus has done the very same thing for us today. When the Lord called out to you for the first time, and you could feel it in your heart, and you could feel it in your soul to make a move for God, whether it was here in the pew, or whether it was here at the altar, or perhaps in the narthex, or maybe in the parking lot, or one of our classrooms, or maybe perhaps some of us, it wasn't on the church campus Maybe some of us, it was in our car on the way to work. Maybe for some of us, it was in our home. Maybe for some of us, it was during a time when things weren't really good, when we felt the pull of the Lord. But you can be sure, no matter if you were happy or sad, that things were good or things were bad, when the Lord pulled on your heart, it was not just to save your soul. It was not just to give you joy. It was not just to bring you peace. Oh, no. But Jesus said, I'm calling you because I think you have what is inside of you to be as I am someday. I want you to heal people like I heal people. I want you to cast out devils like I cast out devils. I want you to preach the kingdom of God like I preached it. I'm so thankful that the Lord didn't see me for my faults and my failures, but he looked beyond that and saw something that I could be. And that was a disciple of him to do it as he did it. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Jesus looked at 70 of his followers. They were not apostles. They were not the elite that he had chosen. But he said, I'm going to use you in a very powerful and special way. And he told these 70, just like Moses did when he chose 70 elders of Israel on whom the spirit of the Lord came and they prophesied. In the same manner, in the same way the Lord says to these 70, I am going to use you to go and minister into cities before I go there. I want you to become the precursor of the kingdom of God in these cities. He said, when you go, don't travel heavy. I want you to pack light. Not a whole lot of clothes, not a whole lot of money, not a whole lot of provisions for yourself. But when you come into that city, I want you to knock on a house and tell them why you are there. And he said, if you will release your peace that I've given to you upon them, they will in turn welcome it and your peace will unite. And they will provide for you the things that you need, the clothing, the food, and the shelter. And do everything you can that I've commissioned to you to minister inside of that city. And do not stop until you find somebody that receives you with peace. For when you do, that household will be blessed. I will dismiss the devils out of that house. 
I will dismiss the sickness out of that house. And that city will have a great, great outpouring of revival. But he said, not everybody is going to receive you at peace. Not everybody wants to hear about the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody wants the devils cast out. Some people enjoy their devils. And you know what? There are people actually out there that enjoy being sick. They enjoy the, well, they enjoy the sympathy of it. They enjoy the pain of it. They enjoy the sorrow of it. God ain't about that. God is not about that. Oh, no. Oh, no. He wants us to experience joy. He wants to experience life. Amen. That's why we traded our sorrows and he gave us joy. He said, when you come into these people that won't receive you, don't let it bother you. But instead, walk out to the edge of the city and shake off their dust. Don't even let their dust cause you a problem. Because really all you and I are, are witnesses of Jesus. And witnesses of what happens here upon this earth. You and I are witnesses of who believes. You and I are witnesses of those who will not believe. He said there are going to be cities that you minister to, like Chorazim and Bethsaida, who have seen the Lord Jesus Christ heal and cast out devils and open blinded eyes, and they won't even repent. Woe unto those cities who have saw what they have seen and not repent. They will have no excuse at the end of days. See, what's going to happen? At the end of days, in the book of Revelation, the Lord will gather all of those who did not believe, and they will stand before him in judgment. And the Lord, amen, does not minister justice or judgment without the facts. He is going to have proof, and you know who's going to be the proof? The church of the living God. You and I, the witnesses, and he will call the witnesses forward. Somebody will say, I lived in 2021 in the, in the Kansas City area, and, and, and the Lord will say, this is why you are being judged, because I sent this person from the life church to you to preach to you, and you didn't believe them. They are witnesses of your unbelief. I sent this person to you. They were available on social media. They presented the word of God. You had every opportunity to believe, but you rejected it. Nobody will be without any excuse. That's why disciple maker, if somebody tells you no, don't take it personally. Their issue is not with you, but their issue is with God. And just amen, even you giving the gospel and them saying no, take courage for you have pleased your Lord in heaven. That's really what this is all about anyway. It's not about us to look cool. It's not about us to say how many numbers we have. It's all about for Jesus. After all, we're not the rabbi. He is. We're just disciples, amen, calling out for other disciples to follow him. If they got issues, amen, it's not with you. It's with God, but take courage for you have pleased God to suffer the rejection as he did. Can you say amen? In the land of that time, every city had demons. Every city had sickness. And I have theories about this. You read in the Old Testament leading up into the New Testament, Israel had backslidden. They had walked away from the covenant that God had given them. And they opened up their borders. They opened up their culture for the pagan nations to come in and intermingle with them. And when they did that, they were not coming into Israel to be Israel. Neither were they coming in there to be the people of the covenant. But they brought, as it were, their false gods from the Roman Empire. They, fought, they, bought, they brought their false god from the Grecian Empire. They brought their false gods from the Middle East and their culture into Israel. And Israel began to intermingle with that. 
And when you bring in idols and you bring in rituals and you bring in the witchcraft, guess what comes along with it? The demons. The devils and the people of Israel who were to be protected from those things and to have no dealings with those things because they opened up themselves to that type of sin to intermingle with them and welcome it into their land. Their children got demon possessed. Their children suffered sickness. That's usually what it's all about, isn't it? It's the children who suffer the most at the mistakes of the adults. That's why we preach and teach holiness around here. It's not about control. It's about the salvation of you and your children's souls. That's why the church is uh, is in the world, but it is not of the world. We can't control everything that they teach in the schools. We can't control every mandate that they put upon us at our places of employment. But you know what we can control? What happens here on 10400 View High Drive. And you know what else we can control is what happens in your home. Be careful what's on the TV. Be careful what comes in on the video games. Be careful what comes in on the books. Because as it were, you're opening your border to allow the devil or anything to come in and to destroy your family's life. That's why we've got to be prayerful. That's why we've got to be vigilant. That's why we've got to keep our eyes open because the enemy walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's why we've got to keep the entertainment to a bare minimum these days. I know things are about to get busy. Notice I said, God said, it's about to be busy. It's no time, amen, to go back to relaxing and taking ease. Oh no, the world is still evil. This world is still cruel and hell is still hot and heaven is still available. Even though things get busy, you and I cannot take our eyes off what God has commanded us to do. And that is to live holy and to be righteous and to make disciples before him. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus said, when you go out, you're going to feel like lambs among wolves. The shepherd is not going with you. You are all on your own. You know, I remember the first time I ever preached. I had a stack of papers, about 30, 40, 50 pages, some of which I stole out of pastor's office. Don't tell him. And I I got up there and tried to make that sermon last as long as I could. It lasted about three minutes, praise God. You know what happened the first time Jesus preached in his hometown in Nazareth? It says they rejected his words and they became angry at him. And they dragged him out to the edge of the city and they were going to throw him over the cliff. You know, when I think about what the Lord went through in my first sermon, I think I didn't have it so bad. (laughs) And he told his followers, you're going to feel like a small little sheep among wolves. You're going to feel trouble. You're going to feel in danger. Because that's where this world is. This world is in darkness. He said, I am sending you to cast out devils. Yeah, fun, huh? I'm sending you to go to people that are on their deathbed, people that are sick, people that are in fear, people that are in worry, people that don't have much to look forward to. And I'm sending you there to cast the devils out of their bodies, out of their homes, and to cast the sicknesses out and to preach the kingdom of heaven. That is what I send you to do. And I can just imagine those 70, they're not apostles. They're just simple followers. The Lord called them babes. They called, he called them children, just the simple people. They're not the wise and the prudent. They're just simple people with the power of God. And them coming into homes and knocking and for the first time saying, I come here in the name of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, to cast the devils out of your town, to heal the sick, and to preach to you that the kingdom of heaven is not far out, but rather it is right here. How fearful that might have been. 
How timid that might have been. But they went ahead and did it just as Jesus said. And they watched as they laid hands on demon-possessed children and demon-possessed mothers and fathers. And those were vexed with all of the sicknesses and disease. And they watched the devil screaming out and leaving. They saw those who could not walk. All of a sudden, they stood up and walked. They saw those who couldn't hear. All of a sudden, they hear. They saw those who were sick with leprosy and palsy. And the sicknesses left their body. And they came back to the Lord and gave him the report. And they said, Lord, not only did the sicknesses leave, but these devils that have possessed and plagued our land for years, and nobody's known what to do about it, they left because I used your name. And they were so excited about it. And I'm sure Jesus was glad that they were excited about it to preach the kingdom. But he said something even deeper. He said, when you really rejoice, don't rejoice at the authority I have given you, but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because let me tell you what, you can cast out devils and still go to hell. You can cast out sicknesses and disease and still be lost. What would it profit a man or a woman to have authority and power over sickness and disease and lose his own soul? Oh, my friend, that's the greatest thing that you and I need to strive for. It is to be saved. It is to be saved. It is to be saved. Because what good is it if you cast out devils now and you end up spending eternity with those same devils in hell. That's why we've got to live a repentant life, a holy life, a righteous life. Amen. We're following in the footsteps of Almighty God. Our Lord knew no sin. Our Lord didn't commit any sin. And if we're going to do it like he did it, we've got to live it like he lived it. And that is to follow righteousness. Can you say amen? Oh, that's why we sing, amen, before the preaching. That's why we sing, amen, and dance before the Lord, before the altar call. Because, amen, we were once lost people. We were once destined for eternity in hell. But through the blood of Jesus that he shed on that cross and his body being buried in that tomb, he arose again so you and I wouldn't have to get on that cross. He arose again so you and I wouldn't have to be in the tomb. And he went down into hell so you and I wouldn't have to go to hell. That's the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is a available to those who will follow it. Jesus looked at his disciples who were rejoicing and then they looked and watched their rabbi do something they had never seen before. They began to see the Lord to leap and to dance and to twirl and spin around in the spirit. For the first time ever, they saw their rabbi rejoice. You know, Jesus had already talked to them about rejoicing, but he never talked about God rejoicing. He said, he said, the rejoicing happens amongst the angels when a sinner repents. When somebody turns away from their sin and follows righteousness, the angels rejoice in that because the angels know where sin leads to. They're holy. They've never sinned. And when you turn away from sin and follow holiness, as it were, you're following the same footsteps that the angels follow in. And that's why they celebrated something that they understand. But now they're looking at something that they've never seen before. The Lord Jesus, their Messiah, the one who could walk on water, the one who could raise the dead. He's celebrating with them. He's dancing with them. He's rejoicing with them. And I think God still does that to this very day. He wants to celebrate with who he has sent. He wants to dance at the report of what his people that he has sent has brought back to them. I believe the Lord rejoiced for several reasons. The reason he got so excited 
was because he looked at the 70. They did exactly what he had done. They did not only exactly what he told them to do, but rather they did it in the same manner as their rabbi. I can just imagine them. However, Jesus walked, they walked like him. However, he moved his hands when he would talk. They moved their hands. The stories that he told, the parables that he told, they told the exact same thing. They were imitating their Jesus, imitating their rabbi. And that's a compliment to God because when you do it like he did it, what you're saying is, Lord, there's no other way but your, your way. There's no other manner but your manner. I can't do it like me. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm not going to do my thing. But I will keep, amen, God's way and God things and God's will, amen, in my ministry. Praise God. Oh, the Lord loves it when his people do it the way that he did it. He rejoiced also because the powers of heaven were now being manifested on the earth. The earth was in trouble. The earth is doomed. The only thing that lasts forever, the only thing that's pure, the only thing that's holy, the only thing that has true joy is what is in heaven itself. And through the casting out of devils and the sending away of sicknesses, they were bringing heaven down to the earth. That's the number one thing, the way to bring heaven to earth. It is to cast out devils and to cast out sickness. Praise God. Let me ask you this. Is there any sickness in heaven? Is there any demonic activity? No. There's none of that in heaven. But these 70, these disciples came and they cast out the unclean spirits. Any spirit that was morally wrong, any spirit that was sinful, any spirit that was impure, anything that was unfit for the home and the people they cast it out, and the people of that city got a glimpse of what heaven will be like. They cast out the sicknesses. Anything or anybody that was stricken with the illness that was not of the will of God, it came out. And this is why the Lord rejoiced, because heaven, where he came from, was being seen and manifested on the earth. It was like the Lord is saying, I finally feel like I'm at home. I finally feel like heaven is all around me. Can you say Amen. And not only that, but I think the greatest reason he began to rejoice in spirit was because he was not there with them. He sent them out like lambs among wolves. The shepherd wasn't there. He is rejoicing because his followers are able to operate without the master being there. They're able to work all on their own through the anointing of God and the working of the Holy Spirit. He rejoiced because they did it As he did it, he rejoiced because the powers of heaven were manifested and he rejoiced because they did it all by themselves without the Lord. It was prophetic of what would one day come because the Lord knew he would not always be with them, but he would be taken up into heaven and he could foresee, amen, prophetically what would happen among the disciples that they would work not with the Lord with them physically in body, but through his very spirit. This is what's celebrated And gave the Lord great joy because he was seeing the book of Acts, the church of the living God, unfold. Praise the name of the Lord. I got a taste of what it was like to do these things all by myself. I grew up in this church. Prophecy is strong in this church. I've observed it happen ever since I was a little boy. And I was open to that 
And that same power and anointing and gifting fell upon me. I got the impartation of it through this church. We have seen miracles happen in this church. We have seen amazing deliverance happen in this church. And I tell you, something that I'm so thankful for is the very things that we see here in the adult services. We are starting to see a man in the younger generation. Praise God. I got a report from our youth group. They had a powerful, I mean, they had powerful moves of God on, on Wednesday nights. But I heard the spirit of deliverance, amen, and the spirit of liberty and the spirit of being set free, amen, was in youth service this past Wednesday night. Can we praise God for that? <laughs> Things are happening in our youth and our children's ministry. They're learning how to operate in the Holy Ghost without mom or dad there. They're learning how to operate in the Holy Ghost without pastor there. You know what this means? If they can do it there, they can do it in school. If they can do it there, they can do it at the neighborhood. Amen. God is preparing them to have strength all on their own. And that's how you make it. To be able to operate on your own in this world. Praise the Lord. And I went to Bible college. And this is in the early 2000s. I did an internship at a church in the state of Ohio. And the very first youth service they had me preach. I noticed while I was preaching that off in the corner, there was a very disturbed teenage girl. And I try not to pay too much attention to the audience when I, when I preach. Uh, sometimes it's unavoidable, but I mean, my eye was just drawn to this girl sitting in the back. And I didn't know her name, but I, I just could tell she was not a guest, but rather she had grown up in church. She had been raised in this, and somewhere along the line, she had lost her way. I could tell she was only there because she was being forced to be there by her parents, which is a good thing, by the way. Kids, if you're living in your parents' house and eating their food and sleeping in a room and bed they provide for you, if your mom and dad says get to church, you get to church, all right? Come on. All right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I could tell that they, they're, not all hope was lost for this young lady. I could see a glimmer of hope there. And I'd never done this before. I'd only observed it, and I'd seen it work many times with other preachers. And I just said to her, Young lady, would you please come to the front here? I'd like to minister to you. And I watched her as she was looking down with her hands folded. She looked up, and she knew I was talking to her. And she put her arms down, and she stood right up and walked up. No resistance. She walked right up. And I watched as she walked up. I saw tears begin to swell up in her eyes. It was like God was already working on her, and she was hungry for it, and she wasn't happy where she was at. And there before all, that entire youth group, I began to minister on a personal level to that, to that lady. And I put my hands upon her head, and I watched as the tears all of a sudden turned to a contorted face. And I saw, as it were, another being took over her. And I heard her scream out in a loud voice and began to convulse. And she collapsed on the floor, and other ladies were there to help her. And I saw her as she was refilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost by the sign of speaking in other tongues. And I thank God for that deliverance. I didn't know what all she was into, but I remember going back to my room that night and I sat on the bed and I thought, my God, what just happened? I never was taught to do that. I only observed it. I'd only seen my pastor do that. I'd only seen guest speakers do that. I'd only seen saints do that. I'd never experienced it and it went great. <laughs> it couldn't have gone any better. It was like all that I observed and all that I had been trained for and all I'd been prepared for. And it just, the opportunity just came there and it just worked. 
And I didn't see the Lord physically, but in my mind's eye, I could see the Lord applauding me, saying, you're doing it as I did it. You're doing it as I taught you how to do it. And I wasn't there with you bodily. Your pastor wasn't there and Life Church wasn't there. You were on your own and you did it through the working of my spirit. Hallelujah. It does work, Bishop. I later went to another church, a small country church. And I preached my heart out in that church. You know, I preached a few times. I figured it's time to really get after it. And I made the altar call and I thought the whole church would run up, you know, to pray. And only about two people came forward. And I was so disappointed at that. I closed my Bible. I went down and stood at the front row as these two people prayed. And I got a tap on my shoulder and I turned around. It was a man. And he said, young preacher... That lady up there is my wife. She has had chronic pain in her body for 30 years. It's all in the posterior chain, all the muscles and nerves of her body. Would you please go and pray for her? And I thought, are you serious? You want me to pray for her? I just preached a terrible message, and we're not having a powerful move of God. Why, don't you, want, why do you want me to pray for her? I didn't say all that. That's what I thought. I thought, well, I'm a guest here, might as well. So I walked up to this lady who was just up there like this with her hands out. And I went up and put my hands on her head. And can I tell you this? This woman felt ice cold. Just her her forehead, her hair felt ice cold. But as I began to pray, all of a sudden faith moved upon me. And I began to curse and come against that pain that was all throughout the posterior chain of her body. And I felt her body temperature begin to rise. And I looked down and saw the change on her face. And all of a sudden, her faith moved. The gift of faith that moved from God upon me began to move on her. And I watched as a woman who could hardly move. She stretched out her hands. And she began to jump up and down and wave her arms and began to twirl around in that altar. And I watched that entire church just stand there with that mouth open because they had never seen her move like that. And she began to run around that church and shout and sing and dance and testify that for the first time in years and years, she was able to worship without pain. She was able to worship without aches. It was a sign from God to all those people that the Lord, amen, the kingdom of heaven was there with him. Oh, praise God. I went over and prayed for the other person that was there. It was a man there. And as I began to pray, the pastor stepped forward and said, that man was given a bad report from the doctor. He just found out he has cancer. I thought, my Lord, why can't I just start out with like headaches or maybe bad dreams or pray for things like that? I've I've got chronic back pain and I've got cancer here. But oh well, I laid my hands on that man's head and began to curse that cancer that was in his body. And I could feel the healing power of God working there. It was about a month later, I got a phone call from that pastor and he said that man went back to the doctor and he is completely cancer free. Completely cancer free. Mm. The Lord has given his church authority over devils and authority over sickness. Now, some of you may be thinking, authority, come on now. You can't act like that in the presence of God. You know, we're supposed to be humble. We're supposed to be gentle. We're supposed to be moderate. We're supposed to be people of peace. Really, do you really think you can negotiate with sickness? You know, diabetes, if you, you know, I know you attack this person's body, and if you would, please, I'm asking you kindly, leave. You really think diabetes is going to leave? Somebody's oppressed of the devil. Devil, I'd like you to go. 
please go. I'm asking you nicely to go. There is no negotiation with the devil. What has he got to offer you anyway? There is no negotiation with sickness. That's why Jesus said, when you come up against a mountain, don't walk around it. Talk to the mountain. You've been given authority over the mountain. Now I don't have authority over God. I'm not commanding God. I could never do that. But I have authority over the sickness. So I can speak to the sickness. I have authority over the devil. And I can talk directly to the devil. And my authority is not on my own, but it came from heaven itself. I got filled with it, amen, January 29th, 1994. And it's still on me to this day. Praise God. Let's all stand. The greatest fear and apprehension I think I hear from people in making disciples is they say, I feel like they're going to ask me, the disciples are going to ask me something I don't know. Can I tell you this? I've been preaching for a while now, and I feel like I know a little bit of something about something. I get asked things all the time that I don't know. And I've never had anybody get mad at me when I say, let me study it out. You know what they say? Oh, thank you. Wow, that's great. And I get an answer for them. And you know what? I walk away from there smarter than what I started to begin with. You will never offend somebody or disappoint somebody when you say, I don't know. But when you take time to research it, you will gain trust with them that you took time to answer their questions. Some of us feel like this book is so precious and I'm not worthy to even talk about it. I feel like I might say something in it that might mess it up and I, I feel like I might misquote it. I might. Let me tell you this. Jesus called the 70 who were not the elite religious of that day they were the simple people, the uneducated people. And through the working of the Spirit, they were able to acquire a specialized knowledge that nobody else had ever done. Let me tell you this. If you're only reading this book just to check off, you know, your daily bread program, your yearly bread program, do it. It's good. It'll bless you. But you really want to walk away feeling like you learned something and you really acquired something. You really are developing a relationship with your Bible. Read it with the intent to minister it. And when you do that, your eyes will be open to the oneness of God like never before. Your eyes will be open to salvation, the full gospel message like never before because the Lord will impart the power of the word upon you. But can I tell you this? There's a reason Jesus did not just say, just go and preach the Bible to them. No, he said, actually, what I really want you to do is go there and cast the devils out of them. That's right. And I want you to heal them of their sicknesses. Because when you do that, you're going to get their attention. I promise you, you pray for somebody and they're healed, they're going to listen to what you have to say. When all of a sudden the devil that's been destroying their lives, it's all of a sudden gone, they're going to listen to what you have to say. The casting out of the devils and the healing of the sick is available to us. Everybody's sick right now. Everybody's disturbed right now. There has been like a wave unleashed on this generation and this nation. It happened about 10 or 12 years ago. It just went to another level. I don't know how to explain it. But it's here and now. And God has sent us to go out and to do something about it. This message and this altar call is for anybody that says, Lord, I want to be sent by you. I want to do what you do. I want to follow in your footsteps. And I'm not afraid to do it alone, Lord. And I'm going to heaven someday.
So I might as well bring a little bit of heaven down here right now for the people to see and behold. If you're hungry for this power and you're hungry to be involved in this post-COVID-19 amen revival, I invite you right now to step out of your seat right now and come down to this altar and to receive the impartation of the Lord. Amen. And maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, I want to be used, but you know what? I've got devils in my life and I'm really sick right now. I sure could use a healing. Let me tell you, the kingdom of heaven is here right now. I invite you to come down here right now and receive it right now. Amen. Why don't you release your faith unto the Lord? Amen. And walk out of here healed right now. Amen. If you've got the devil, amen, destroying your life, attacking your mind, attacking your heart, I invite you to come down to this altar for deliverance right now. I invite you to come down here and walk out of here healed. To walk out of you here, amen, delivered. Amen. The Lord wants to rejoice with somebody. The rabbi wants to dance, amen, with somebody right now. He wants to twirl. Amen. He wants to jump up and down. He wants to wave his arms. He wants to rejoice when somebody does it like he does it. He wants to rejoice with somebody, amen, that believes in the power of heaven and the demonstration of it. Amen. He wants to see somebody move and operate without the pastor there. Without, Lord, amen, the church there, but just you in the world and the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Power come right now. Power come on the connect group right now. Power come on the disciple maker right now. Hallelujah. God is healing your body right now. Hallelujah. Tell the devil to leave right now.